Missouri ex relatione gains versus Canada. This is a LibriVox recording. All LibriVox recordings are in the public domain. For more information or to volunteer, please visit LibriVox.org. Recording by Kelly Robinson in Birmingham, Alabama. Missouri ex relatione gains versus Canada. An opinion of the United States Supreme Court. Decided on December 12th, 1938. Please note, this is a reading of the opinion of the court only. This reading does not include the syllabus or the separate opinion of Justice McReynolds. For ease of listening, this reading omits legal citations found within the text of the court's opinion and footnotes. Mr. Chief Justice Hughes delivered the opinion of the court. Petitioner Lloyd Gaines, a Negro, was refused admission to the School of Law of the State University of Missouri, asserting that this refusal constituted a denial by the state of the equal protection of the laws in violation of the 14th Amendment of the Federal Constitution. Petitioner brought this action for mandamus to compel the curators of the university to admit him. On final hearing, an alternative writ was quashed and a peremptory writ was denied by the circuit court. The Supreme Court of the state affirmed the judgment. We granted certiorari. Petitioner is a citizen of Missouri. In August 1935, he was graduated with the degree of Bachelor of Arts at the Lincoln University, an institution maintained by the state of Missouri for the higher education of Negroes. That university has no law school. Upon the filing of his application for admission to the law school of the University of Missouri, the registrar advised him to communicate with the president of Lincoln University, and the latter directed petitioner's attention to section 9622 of the revised statutes of Missouri, providing as follows. Section 9622. May arrange for attendance at university of any adjacent state tuition fees. Pending the full development of the Lincoln University, the Board of Curators shall have the authority to arrange for the attendance of Negro residents of the State of Missouri at the University of any adjacent state to take any course or to study any subjects provided for at the State University of Missouri, and which are not taught at the Lincoln University, and to pay the reasonable tuition fees for such attendance provided that, whenever the Board of Curators deem it advisable, they shall have the power to open any necessary school or department. Petitioner was advised to apply to the State Superintendent of Schools for aid under that statute. It was admitted on the trial that Petitioner's work and credits at the Lincoln University would qualify him for admission to the School of Law of the University of Missouri if he were found otherwise eligible. He was refused admission upon the ground that it was contrary to the Constitution, laws, and public policy of the state to admit a Negro as a student in the University of Missouri. It appears that there are schools of law in connection with the state universities of four adjacent states, Kansas, Nebraska, Iowa, and Illinois, where non-resident Negroes are admitted. The clear and definite conclusions of the state court in construing the pertinent state legislation, narrow the issue. 
the action of the curators, who are representatives of the state in the management of the state university, must be regarded as state action. The state constitution provides that separate free public schools shall be established for the education of children of African descent, and by statute separate high school facilities are supplied for colored students equal to those provided for white students. While there is no express constitutional provision requiring that the white and Negro races be separated for the purpose of higher education, the state court, on a comprehensive review of the state statutes, held that it was intended to separate the white and Negro races for that purpose also. Referring in particular to Lincoln University, the court deemed it to be clear that the legislature intended to bring the Lincoln University up to the standard of the University of Missouri and give to the whites and Negroes an equal opportunity for higher education, the whites at the University of Missouri and the Negroes at Lincoln University. Further, the court concluded that the provisions of section 9622 above quoted to the effect that negro residents may attend the university of any adjacent state with their tuition paid pending the full development of lincoln university made it evident that the legislature did not intend that negroes and whites should attend the same university in the state in that view it necessarily followed the curators of the University of Missouri acted in accordance with the policy of the state in denying petitioner admission to its school of law upon the sole ground of his race. In answering petitioner's contention that this discrimination constituted a denial of his constitutional right, the state court has fully recognized the obligation of the state to provide Negroes with advantages for higher education substantially equal to the advantages afforded to white students. The state has sought to fulfill that obligation by furnishing equal facilities in separate schools, a method the validity of which has been sustained by our decisions. Respondents' counsel have appropriately emphasized the special solicitude of the state for the higher education of Negroes as shown in the establishment of Lincoln University, a state institution well-conducted on a plane with the University of Missouri, so far as the offered courses are concerned. It is said that Missouri is a pioneer in that field and is the only state in the Union which has established a separate university for Negroes on the same basis as the state university for white students. But commendable as is that action, the fact remains that instruction in law for Negroes is not now afforded by the state either at Lincoln University or elsewhere within the state, and that the state excludes Negroes from the advantages of the law school it has established at the University of Missouri. It is manifest this discrimination, if not relieved by the provisions we shall presently discuss, would constitute a denial of equal protection. That was the conclusion of the Court of Appeals of Maryland, in circumstances substantially similar in that aspect. If there appeared that the state of Maryland had undertaken the function of education in the law, but had omitted students of one race from the only adequate provision made for it, and omitted them solely because of their color, that if those students were to be offered equal treatment in the performance of the function, they must at present be admitted to the one school provided. 
a provision for scholarships to enable Negroes to attend colleges outside the state, mainly for the purpose of professional studies, was found to be inadequate, and the question whether with aid in any amount it is sufficient to send the Negroes outside the state for legal education, the Court of Appeals found it unnecessary to discuss. Accordingly, a writ of mandamus to admit the applicant was issued to the officers and regents of the University of Maryland as the agents of the state entrusted with the conduct of that institution. The Supreme Court of Missouri in the instant case has distinguished the decision in Maryland upon the grounds, number one, that in Missouri, but not in Maryland, there is a legislative declaration of a purpose to establish a law school for Negroes at Lincoln University whenever necessary or practical, and number two, that pending the establishment of such a school, adequate provision has been made for the legal education of Negro students in recognized schools outside of the state. As to the first ground, it appears that the policy of establishing a law school at Lincoln University has not yet ripened into an actual establishment, and it cannot be said that a mere declaration of purpose, still unfulfilled, is enough. The provision for legal education at Lincoln is at present entirely lacking. Respondents' counsel urge that if, on the date when petitioner applied for admission to the University of Missouri, he had instead applied to the curators of Lincoln University, it would have been their duty to establish a law school, that this agency of the state to which he should have applied was specifically charged with the mandatory duty to furnish him what he seeks. We do not read the opinion of the Supreme Court as construing the state statute to impose such a mandatory duty, as the argument seems to assert. The state court quoted the language of section 9618, set forth in the margin, making it the mandatory duty of the Board of Curators to establish a law school in Lincoln University whenever necessary and practicable in their opinion. This qualification of their duty, explicitly stated in the statute, manifestly leaves it to the judgment of the curators to decide when it will be necessary and practicable to establish a law school, and the state court so construed the statute. Emphasizing the discretion of the curators, the court said, The statute was enacted in 1921. Since its enactment, no Negro, not even appellant, has applied to Lincoln University for a law education. This fact demonstrates the wisdom of the legislature in leaving it to the judgment of the Board of Curators to determine when it would be necessary or practicable to establish a law school for Negroes at Lincoln University. Pending that time, adequate provision is made for the legal education of Negroes in the university of some adjacent state, as heretofore pointed out. The state court has not held that it would have been the duty of the curators to establish a law school at Lincoln University for the petitioner on his application. Their duty, as the court defined it, would have been either to supply a law school at Lincoln University as provided in section 9618, or to furnish him the opportunity to obtain his legal training in another state as provided in section 9622. Thus, the law left the curators free to adopt the latter course. The state court has not ruled or intimated that their failure or refusal to establish a law school for a very few students, still less for one student, would have been an abuse of the discretion with which the curators were entrusted. And apparently, 
It was because of that discretion, and of the postponement which its exercise in accordance with the terms of the statute would entail, until necessity and practicability appeared, that the state court considered and upheld as adequate the provision for the legal education of Negroes, who were citizens of Missouri, in the university of adjacent states. We may put on one side respondents' contention that there were funds available at Lincoln University for the creation of a law department, and the suggestions with respect to the number of instructors who would be needed for that purpose, and the cost of supplying them. The president of Lincoln University did not advert to the existence or prospective use of funds for that purpose when he advised petitioner to apply to the state superintendent of schools for aid under section 9622. At best, the evidence to which argument as to available funds is addressed admits of conflicting inferences, and the decision of the state court did not hinge on any such matter. In the light of its ruling, we must regard the question whether the provision for the legal education in other states of Negroes resident in Missouri is sufficient to satisfy the constitutional requirement of equal protection as the pivot upon which this case turns. The state court stresses the advantages that are afforded by the law schools of the adjacent states, Kansas, Nebraska, Iowa, and Illinois, which admit non-resident Negroes. The court considered that these were schools of high standing, where one desiring to practice law in Missouri can get as sound, comprehensive, valuable legal education as in the University of Missouri, that the system of education in the former is the same as that in the latter, and is designed to give the students a basis for the practice of law in any state where the Anglo-American system of law obtains that the law school of the University of Missouri does not specialize in Missouri law, and that the course of study and the case books used in the five schools are substantially identical. Petitioner insists that for one intending to practice in Missouri, there are special advantages in attending a law school there, both in relation to the opportunities for the particular study of Missouri law and for the observation of the local courts and also in view of the prestige of the Missouri Law School among the citizens of the state, his prospective clients. Proceeding with its examination of relative advantages, the state court found that the difference in distances to be traveled afforded no substantial ground of complaint, and that there was an adequate appropriation to meet the full tuition fees which petitioner would have to pay. We think that these matters are beside the point. The basic consideration is not as to what sort of opportunities other states provide, or whether they are as good as those in Missouri, but as to what opportunities Missouri itself furnishes to white students and denies to Negroes solely upon the ground of color. The admissibility of laws separating the races in the enjoyment of privileges afforded by the state rests solely upon the equality of the privileges which the laws give to the separated groups within the state. The question here is not of a duty of the state to supply legal training, or of the quality of the training which it does supply, but of its duty, when it provides such training, to furnish it to the residents of the state upon the basis of an equality of right. By the operation of the laws of Missouri, a privilege has been created for white law students which is denied to Negroes by reason of their race. The white resident is afforded legal education within the state, the Negro resident, having the same qualifications, is refused it there and must go outside the state to obtain it. That is a denial of the equality of legal right to the enjoyment of the privilege, which the state has set up. 
and the provision for the payment of tuition fees in another state does not remove the discrimination. The equal protection of the laws is a pledge of the protection of equal laws. Manifestly, the obligation of the state to give the protection of equal laws can be performed only where its laws operate, that is, within its own jurisdiction. It is there that the equality of legal right must be maintained. That obligation is imposed by the Constitution upon the states severally, as governmental entities, each responsible for its own laws, establishing the rights and duties of persons within its borders. It is an obligation the burden of which cannot be cast by one state upon another, and no state can be excused from performance by what another state may do or fail to do. That separate responsibility of each state within its own sphere is of the essence of statehood maintained under our dual system. It seems to be implicit in respondents' argument that if other states did not provide courses for legal education, it would nevertheless be the constitutional duty of Missouri, when it supplied such courses, for white students to make equivalent provision for Negroes. But that plain duty would exist because it rested upon the state independently of the action of other states. We find it impossible to conclude that what otherwise would be an unconstitutional discrimination with respect to the legal right to the enjoyment of opportunities within the state can be justified by requiring resort to opportunities elsewhere. That resort may mitigate the inconvenience of the discrimination, but cannot serve to validate it. Nor can we regard the fact that there is but a limited demand in Missouri for the legal education of Negroes as excusing the discrimination in favor of whites. We had occasion to consider a cognate question in the case of McCabe versus Atchison, Topeka, and Santa Fe Railway Company. There, the argument was advanced in relation to the provision by a carrier of sleeping cars, dining, and chair cars, that the limited demand by Negroes justified the state in permitting the furnishing of such accommodations exclusively for white persons. We found that argument to be without merit. It made, we said, the constitutional right depend upon the number of persons who may be discriminated against, whereas the essence of the constitutional right is that it is a personal one. Whether or not particular facilities shall be provided may doubtless be conditioned upon there being a reasonable demand, therefore. But, if facilities are provided, substantial equality of treatment of persons traveling under like conditions cannot be refused. It is the individual who is entitled to the equal protection of the laws, and if he is denied by a common carrier, acting in the matter under the authority of a state law, a facility or convenience in the course of his journey, which under substantially the same circumstances is furnished to another traveler, he may properly complain that his constitutional privilege has been invaded. Here, petitioner's right was a personal one. It was as an individual that he was entitled to the equal protection of the laws and the state was bound to furnish him within its borders facilities for legal education substantially equal to those which the state there offered for persons of the white race, whether or not other Negroes sought the same opportunity. It is urged, however, that the provision for tuition outside the state is a temporary one, that it is intended to operate merely pending the establishment of a law department for Negroes at Lincoln University. While, in that sense, the discrimination may be termed temporary, it may nevertheless continue for an indefinite period 
by reason of the discretion given to the curators of Lincoln University, and the alternative of arranging for tuition in other states, as permitted by the state law as construed by the state court, so long as the curators find it unnecessary and impracticable to provide facilities for the legal instruction of Negroes within the state. In that view, we cannot regard the discrimination as excused by what is called its temporary character. We do not find that the decision of the state court turns on any procedural question. The action was for mandamus, but it does not appear that the remedy would have been deemed inappropriate if the asserted federal right had been sustained. In that situation, the remedy by mandamus was found to be a proper one in University of Maryland versus Murray. In the instant case, the state court did note the petitioner had not applied to the management of Lincoln University for legal training, but, as we have said, the state court did not rule that it would have been the duty of the curators to grant such an application, but on the contrary took the view, as we understand it, that the curators were entitled under the state law to refuse such an application and, in its stead, to provide for petitioner's tuition in an adjacent state. That conclusion presented the federal question as to the constitutional adequacy of such a provision, while equal opportunity for legal training within the state was not furnished. And this federal question the state court entertained and passed upon. We must conclude that in so doing the court denied the federal right which petitioners set up, and the question as to the correctness of that decision is before us. We are of the opinion that the ruling was error and the petitioner was entitled to be admitted to the law school of the state university in the absence of other and proper provision for his legal training within the state. The judgment of the Supreme Court of Missouri is reversed, and the cause is remanded for further proceedings not inconsistent with this opinion. It is so ordered, reversed, and remanded. End of Missouri Ex Relatione Gaines versus Canada, an opinion of the United States Supreme Court.